Welcome everyone to the Imperfect Athlete Podcast. This is my show about mistakes, how they happen, what they mean, and ultimately how they change behavior to improve your performance. My mistake of the week uh, is very personal. I'm a bit of a uh, someone who, who doesn't look at their own well-being enough and I had been suffering with uh, pretty bad neck pains for a while. And I was sort of just saying, well, it's gonna be fine. I'll be fine. It's just like, I'm busy and blah, blah, blah. And uh, at some point it got to the point where uh, my girlfriend said, you need, to, uh, you need to go to a physio and you need to get this sorted out. And I got to the physio and the physio was like, wow, you can barely look from side to side and you can barely move it. And uh, we did some, some therapy and it still hurts, but it's getting a lot better. And this is uh, definitely a mistake that it's not the first time in my life that I've made this, that I, I'm not taking care enough of myself, but uh, I'm trying to change it and, and put my well-being first and, and make sure that I'm feeling well uh, before trying to, to do anything and not sort of uh, put my own, my own uh, pain away because I think that it's, it's not important enough. So again, a mistake this week that uh, I definitely learned from and I'm hopefully going to change my behavior for once uh, because of it. This week, um, I have a very special guest. He is a former track and field national champion and a very good friend of mine. We met each other uh, through the sport of volleyball. Um, Derek Watkins. Derek, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. This yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be great. Um, so. Derek, as you know, we're going to be talking about your mistakes a little bit, so... Uh, <laughs> There's enough of those to go around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. So, we're going to have a lot of fun, but first, let's let's talk a little bit about your career. So, like, how did you get into track and field? Like, what drew you to the sport? What, what did you enjoy about it? Uh, well, it's actually a crazy story how I got into track and field, and this is, this is something that uh, I always look back on, and I'm really, like, happy that it sort of happened this way. I was really big into hockey and everyone in Canada knows that hockey's our, our big and only thing. Um, I was actually drafted into the OHL at a very low, low level. I wasn't really going to actually go. <laughs> but um, so when I was in grade 12, um, my hockey coach, who was basically mentoring me and he believed in me, uh, he passed away unexpectedly. And um, I was the captain of the team and I didn't really know what to do. Uh, so I ended up trying to play for the assistant coach at the time. It was very devastating for our whole team. Uh, but for some reason, I just I couldn't do it emotionally. Um, it was a lot for me to handle and I couldn't deal with it. And I was probably about 17, 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, the rest of that season, I, I, I wasn't going to play hockey, which is the love of my life. And I was leaving the high school, and in the foyer was all this this big fluffy box and a bamboo stick, and people were running and jumping over this bamboo stick. It was it was the most weirdest thing, but it looked so fun. I was like, oh my gosh, that looks awesome. So uh, I just stayed late after school, and we just started jumping over this bamboo stick. And I fell in love with it and I found out it's an actual sport (laughs) and they were all on the track team. So that's how I got into track was just 
literally walking by a bamboo stick that people were jumping over and then I ended up just being natural at it. Sometimes you just find a weird natural talent and mm-hmm. it was just so exciting that I just grew and grew and like the rest is, is history as we'll talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you did you end up then playing in, in like or competing, I guess, in, in high school or like yeah. you go straight to, to competing in university? Like it was, uh, no, it was pretty, so literally from that day on, I was in grade 12 mm-hmm. and the track season is at the end of the year, the school year. And, um, so I, I talked to the phys ed coach, of course, and I said, Oh, like, can I do this for the school? Like you guys are doing meets. And then, uh, I started doing that, went, uh, I went to OFSA, which was ridiculous because Mm -hmm. it was my first year and I saw what OFSA was and OFSA for those people who don't know is the Ontario high school championships, which is like a pretty big deal for kids that are in high school. Like it's a big deal. Uh, well, you think it is at the time. <laughs> you think it is. But uh, so I went to Asa and I saw how many kids were there and how like important it was to them and how fun it was. Uh, so after I got ninth in my first year, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, but then I decided I wanted to do this full time, like take it a little bit more seriously, see what I could actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I joined the Ottawa Lions, which is the team that is in Ottawa here. And uh, that's the biggest track team in I think all of Canada, to be honest. And uh, so I started training for the sport and did it over the summer and then uh, one off of the year after. So my final year of high school and then scholarships and things started happening out of nowhere. And all of that started happening just because of that one incident of, uh, <laughs> of a bamboo of stick. A bamboo and, a stick yeah. and when you land on that bamboo stick, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. So you learn Wait, uh, so learn quickly. A fluffy box, like they were using that as the like the mattress. To, to yeah, it was. Uh, well, it was. It wasn't a very good mattress. It was like <laughs> a whole bunch of cushions piled up. <laughs> it was wow. uh, not. It was not up to code. So that was uh, in the late '90s. So the code was a little bit different. That was that was allowed back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that that's awesome. What's um? So you 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 jump over some bamboo sticks in a in a foyer, and then you decide to go and to, to try it out. Like, what what are some of the first sort of mistakes you you realize you like the sport? You thought this is fun, jumping over things. You clearly had a knack for it because it went very fast. Like. You get through the track and then like, what was your first experience there? Um, it was very, uh, it's funny though. I think everyone has a different take on how to absorb athletics. So in my, my perspective, when I was a hockey player, that's a very type of person that, uh, I think hockey players tend to know it all or they're very cocky and it's a, it's kind of a swagger in the sport. Uh, when I went to track and field, it's, not like that at all. There's, there's no swearing. There's no, it's very prim and proper. And, mm-hmm. uh, the mentality is very different because it's an individual sport versus a, versus a uh, team sport. So uh, one of the things when I went to the, my first practice, uh, I realized that everyone was there not as a team, but as an individual, but we were working as a team and it was a very different thing to get my head around. And I, <laughs> I sort of thought, okay, well, I know, how to jump already, I'm seemingly doing okay. And so automatically I wasn't able to really absorb coaches information just at a young age. Mm. And that's a, that's a thing that you see with young kids every once in a while. They're not necessarily coachable. Yeah. And, and I found at the very start of my career, I wasn't as coachable as I, you would think I should be because I've never done the sport before. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I taught myself 
so I taught myself for the first year and I taught myself incorrectly. Yeah. And uh, you're supposed to, you either jump from the right side or the left side in high jump. And I thought I should take off on my right leg, but actually I was supposed to be taking off on my left, but I had taught myself to jump off the right leg. So when I went, when I actually got a coach and they said, uh, you're doing it wrong, but I already had success doing this. I was yeah. like, okay, no, we're not going to change that. It seems to be working. So that was a, a thing that I've always looked back on my entire career and been like, if I had just maybe listened back then mm-hmm. and done it properly, maybe I could have gotten, you know, that much better. So there's, there's a whole bunch of things that you go through mm-hmm. that are very so like different. So that's the, the first, you almost took the, is it fair to say that you took the confidence you had built up in hockey and the, the proficiency into track where you maybe didn't have the proficiency, did, you, yeah. kept, you kept the confidence? I guess that's, yeah, I guess you could call it confidence, Yeah. <laughs> Confidence but, is a nice way of saying it, right? <laughs> so when did you realize, like, when did you realize this? Like, obviously now looking back, you, you, you're like, oh, I wasn't coachable. Like, when, when did that change? Like, how did you realize it and, and change your behavior? Uh, I think it comes with, uh, you know, certain coaches as you go through your career. And I've had, I mean, I don't even know how many coaches I've had because I went from, I've been to three different universities Uh, I first started at Boise State, which is my, uh, that was my first university. I went there for a year and we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, then I went to uh, Purdue and I graduated from Purdue and then I went to University of Windsor and I've also been to University of Toronto. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how many different coaches you have. Mm -hmm. And I think it comes down to, uh, and you know, this as a coach is being able to relate to your athletes on, on another level that they respect and you respect. So I found, I think my first coach didn't really know what they were talking about or that was my perception. And so I didn't, I didn't listen as opposed to my second coach was a world champion. They had, they went to the Olympics, they had all these accolades and then all of a sudden I was listening. Now it's not just about the accolades, but it was more so, I don't know what, you know, you're young and you don't, you don't really think things through sometimes, but it's just how you relate to your athletes and your coaches. And I think... Uh, at the time, for some reason, I just didn't gel with that first coach. And that happens, I mean, gosh, how many times does that happen in <laughs> sports? Like, if you don't get along with your coach, then I mean, oh my goodness, that happens, right? It's really tricky, yeah. And Absolutely. it's also tricky for the coaches because they have to relate to all these different types of personalities. And they, you know... <laughs> yeah, it's uh, from a coach's experience, like from my own experience, I know that I can tell when an athlete doesn't really click with me. Mm-hmm. And it's really tricky because you try and do so much and you try and help them as much. But, you know, you can only, you know, you, I can only change as much about myself as possible. Like the core fundamentals are always going to stay the same. And if that doesn't work out, then it's a really, really hard situation. Yeah. So that's, um, that's really tricky. But that's really interesting to see that, like, looking back, you're like, oh, the first mistake I made was... Absolutely. Listening to my coaches. Yeah. <laughs> and so young. It's, it's amazing how you have yeah. a different mentality. You get, as you get older, you, you realize respect. You realize understanding. You realize these people have been in the sport for your entire life. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And you, it's, it's just it's a crazy time when you're young. So. Yeah. And then you're, you come in there being 17, 18. You're like, I know better. <laughs> it's so <laughs> weird. <laughs> We've all done that. Like everyone has made that mistake at some point. It's incredible. Thinking that you can't learn anything from... Of certain person, and yeah. Regretting that later, I know for sure. <laughs> um, so you finish off your high school career by winning Offsa, mm-hmm. and you go to your first university, and you stay there for one season, right? 
Yeah, so my uh, when I won OFSA and then I went to National Juniors and I got mm-hmm. silver and mm-hmm. then I competed for Canada for my first time as a junior. So that was uh, 19. Okay. Uh, so that was my second year in the sport and I was I was number two in Canada for juniors, which was like really such such a fast progress mm-hmm. for for all of that. Uh, and then uh, now this is something that's really interesting. I was my grades in high school were so bad. <laughs> I mean, it's funny how they, there's a lot of, you know, when you're an athlete and I, again, I was a hockey player, so, yeah. uh, kind of, it's kind of odd, but it almost goes with the territory of like, you know, you're, you're a hockey player, you maybe not, you're a jock or whatever. And you yeah, kind of yeah. fall into that fulfillment of hockey is everything. And I don't care about grades, but it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, so my grades are really, really, really bad in high school. And so I wasn't actually able to make, uh, to go to a university in Canada. So my grades were not going to let me go to a university in Canada. So once I started seeing the opportunities in the States, you have to take your SATs. Mm -hmm. And because my grades were so bad, I had to get like a pretty high score to be able to go to the university because it it sort of offsets. So uh, I ended up having to take my SATs three times to get Div 1 eligible. And that was... uh, that was crazy because my parents were driving me to different SAT locations and I'd have to, all I would do is study, 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 trying to learn the SAT and then go to a different location. So anyway, so I had a choice of five different schools that were interested mm-hmm. um, and we, I decided to go to Boise State, which is in Idaho mm-hmm. uh, for my first year. And I went there because the coach was, I mean, his pedigree was incredible. He had coached multiple world champions, multiple uh, Olympian high jumpers, et cetera, et cetera. And this is another thing that goes back to what I previously said. I went there and for some reason I didn't click with the coach. He, mm-hmm. he had all my respect. He had everything, but it was his, he was an older man and his coaching style was a little bit different. Uh, it was definitely old school, but yeah. it's, it's just so weird when you look back on your career and you try and find these little things and you're like, Oh wow. I, you know, that was, that's why it didn't work there because I didn't yeah. let myself Again, it was the change. I was still resistant to change. I had gotten the scholarship. I had gotten there, but he was asking me to change a lot, and I was so resistant. So it's maybe the fear of change as well that I was resistant to, and it, it just didn't work out in Boise State. So I came back uh, and uh, spent a semester here and just uh, started like reaching out to some schools, and yeah. that's when I got uh, I got discussions with Purdue University, which is... An incredible school, Big Ten, uh, massive athletics, incredible academics, and I mean, Purdue is, was a time in my life that seemed like a dream, literally, yeah. Yeah, because you, I'm pretty sure you had some of the best seasons in your life when you were there, right? Maybe besides the, the 2009 season, yeah, like before that. So like, what, what is it like going to the University in the States? What are the differences for Canadian athletes going there? Oh my gosh. So you know all those movies that you see in the States? <laughs> it's actually like that. <laughs> and now it's, it's so funny when I try to tell people about that time of my life, because it does seem like a blur because mm-hmm. it was just, it was ridiculous, man. The, the housing, the cars, the... You're flying out every weekend to California, to New York, to, and you're flying, you're not, you're not busing, you're getting per diem, you're, everybody knows you, you're in the paper, it's a university town and it's just so big. The football games, there's hundreds of thousands of people uh, and everything is just so big in sports down there. It's incredible. 
Like it's it really is like those movies. I look at some of those football movies and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what it was like. That's what it's it was like. like yeah, it's <laughs> it's just absolutely insane down there. So you get on another level of expectation. You 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 begin to feel like you deserve all of that. Mm-hmm. And now keep in mind, I jump over a bar for an hour. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what I was asked to do. So yeah. when I look at it, I'm like, it seems ridiculous that people would care about that or or anything or they would fly me out to this place or that but anyways you're down there and you get a you kind of feel like you earned that um so I I kind of got a big head when I went to Purdue but it was also because the NCAA recruits from the entire world so we had our team it was like being a small fish in a big pond yeah and these guys I mean my team was literally every single person on my team from Croatia to like every different country you could imagine. And they're all the top of each of those countries as like, and so everyone on my team was actually better than most of like 90% of the Canadian national champions. Right. It was like the shot putter would break our Canadian record. This javelin thrower would break our Canadian record. This 200 runner would break our Canadian record. And they're just all on my team. Yeah. So you're, you're around this incredible greatness and you just sort of expect it. And then you, you strive to, to be part of that, which is what the NCAA, I think, really instills in people. But that's very interesting because on one hand, you say, you know, this, this, the fact that it's so, the, the quality of all the athletes is so high has pushed me to be better. On the other hand, like you say, sort of the, the glamour of it made me a big, big head. Like, how did, that, how did that coincide? Because if you're, I would think that if you're a small, small fish in a big pond, you sort of become humble. Right, you're like, yeah. oh wow, I'm maybe not as good. You as know that. Ah, that yeah. was like, how does that work together? Well, that's interesting you say that because I only found that out uh, when I came to Canada. Mm-hmm. So it turns out, you know, I thought I was striving down there with all these amazing athletes and NCAA champions, and it was just crazy. But mm-hmm. when I came to Canada, is when I really learned about myself and about who I was as a person and an athlete, and that's what actually made me succeed. Um, it's, it is difficult. Some people would thrive in the big, uh, mm-hmm. as a small fish in a big pond. And I felt like I did actually pretty good because I wanted to be a part of the group. I wanted to contribute. I wanted to yeah. do everything. And I did, I did very well down there. Uh, made NCAA finals in my last year and got 12th, which was, I mean, that's 12th in the NCAA yeah. is pretty good. So <laughs> I think yeah. that was good. Uh, <laughs> But again, it was just a crazy situation where trying to, you're basically just trying to meet the standards of everyone around you and you feel like you are, so you do get a big head because you're like, oh yeah, I'm one of these guys. I'm, I'm just as good as them or what have you. And it's, it, it, it came, it was a huge transition when I came to Canada, but we'll, uh, we'll definitely get into that transition. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so what are, so again, are you obviously were, I think this is, this is a great story and it shows like you thrived, but also there were some things you were struggling with. So what is it, what is the thing looking back at it? You're like, that was a big mistake I made down there that, you know, maybe even maybe just hindered my progress a little bit, or maybe even maybe not reach a level that I maybe could have reached. If you look back at that. I think, uh, being in the moment, especially, and this is a, this is a really important, uh, Ever since you asked me to do this podcast, I've been able to reflect on my career and I didn't mm-hmm. realize how little I 
understood at the time of how incredible things were. Yeah. So as an athlete, as you're getting better, you're just focused on continually the next day. Okay, what am I going to do better? What am I going to do better? How can I get better? What am I going to do? Oh, we have a competition coming up. We have a meet coming up. Yeah. Okay, focus on this, this, this. Oh, we've got nationals. Uh, You never actually are in the moment and really absorbing like, wow, I got here. Enjoy it. Relax. Enjoy it. And... And yeah, we have a meet coming up, but realize this is incredible and, and really enjoy the moment. Yeah. And when I look back on all this stuff, I realize I was so caught up in the moment. I didn't really understand what was happening and how crazy and how amazing that stuff was. So if I could give any advice to anybody, and if you're going to the NCAA or you're, you know, you're going to CIS or whatever it is that you end up doing. I think it's called U-Sport nowadays. Is it called U-Sport? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> when did they change that? <laughs> A few years ago, but it's okay. Okay. The U-Sport. Uh, take a second and really understand what you're, what you're achieving. Because I didn't my whole career until Yella asked me to be on a podcast and look at my past and he said oh you know you're a professional athlete tell me about your career and I started going through all the results and then I was like oh my goodness this was this was amazing and I wish at the time I had Mm. really absorbed what was going on and I think in athletes life we're just so focused on getting better doing the next thing but we're not necessarily in the moment yeah and I I think you've had similar experience right absolutely like it's it's always for me it's for instance comparable for me it's going abroad to to do my master's which is sort of you know my career is more in academics than in in sports and like I think back on it now I'm like did I really enjoy it as much as I should have but I also think that there's a really good point about that is that sometimes mistakes are not things that you tried to do and you failed or you tried to do and you did wrong sometimes a mistake is just something that you ended up not doing and in hindsight, you're like, I should have done that. Yeah. Right. So like, it's not always when, we, when I talk about mistakes, I don't always mean like somebody that just tries to do something and just completely falls flat on their face yeah. kind of thing. Right. Sometimes it's just like you said, looking back and being like, I think I did okay, but I could have done a little bit better. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a, that's a very important thing for people to realize is sometimes you have to sit back and this podcast make you do that and and reflect and say what is it am i getting out of this what i want to get out of this i think that's a very good point um so then you uh you graduate from purdue yeah so actually that was an interesting story as well just the graduating i told you my grades Mm -hmm. weren't very good in high school (laughs) yes did they get any better in, in university they did actually okay so essentially once i was in university i you know, I had the mindset that I'm not going to mess this up. I am mm. living the dream. I actually was able to acknowledge that, okay, yeah. I made it. I got my dream. I'm not going to screw this up by doing bad in, in school. So I actually excelled in school because I was paying attention and actually focusing. And I didn't want to lose a scholarship because if you don't have certain grades, you can lose a scholarship. Uh, but anyway, so I injured myself. And this is a huge, this is probably the biggest mistake that I made at Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um... I was at in back in Canada for the Christmas break, and on my way back to school, I did a track and field meet in Toronto, and I ended up tearing my meniscus. Yeah. Uh, so went back to school, and I said, "Coach, there's something wrong. <laughs> my I I jumped, and my knee really hurts." And so we had a 
<clears throat> I basically had a torn meniscus, and so that week, it actually only took a week. They had, <laughs> I went in on Monday, I said, you know, my knee's hurting, went to the, the therapist's, by Wednesday, I had an MRI, or I had an x-ray, and Thursday, yeah. I had an MRI, and Friday, I had the surgery. Wow. <laughs> that would never happen in like Canada. in a week? In a week. Wow, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> so, but yeah. It's just, it's the NCAA, man. They got yeah. so much money. It's crazy. So, so it was, a, it had a huge surgery, for, especially for a jumper. I mean, I'm, I'm jumping on one leg. And the power and everything. Was it that leg? Oh, yeah. Your jumping leg? Yeah, oh, yeah. It was my jumping leg. Okay. So I just... It was it was done. And now my biggest mistake was coming back too soon. So I had the surgery. And, of course, you feel, you know, invincible as a young guy. Uh, no, I can do it. I can do it. Um, oh, it feels fine. Don't worry about me. Similar yeah. to what you were saying yeah. today, right? No, no. I'm fine. I don't need to worry about that pain. Oh, it's just a little pain. It'll go away. Yeah. So I was trying to come back for, to compete and we were going to New York city for a track meet and my coach said, you know, I think you're maybe rushing it. You don't have to compete this season because, uh, you'll, a, you'll use your eligibility for that season Yeah. and B, you know, like I don't, you haven't jumped in, you know, a month and a half, two months. And I just, all I was thinking was I want to go to New York. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you have you're very different mindsets when you're an athlete because you're like, no, I could do it. I can. It, it'll be fine. Uh, and also, you know, like I want to go to New York, but that definitely was not the best thing. So what ended up happening was I went to New York. I jumped, not very good. Ended up bruising because there was no more cartilage in my knee. Yeah. The I, the bruise that I got took me out for the entire year. Wow. So me going back too soon ended up destroying the rest of my year. And that includes coming to Canada, everything. The whole year was just shot because I destroyed. Wow. I came back way too soon. And it was, again, not listening to the therapists, mm-hmm. maybe just trying to be one lane focused. And yeah, that was, I mean, I look back and that, that's by far my biggest regret is why did I force going to that, yeah. that meet? I, I could have had another season and... But again, I to- I used up my eligibility for that season and destroyed my knee for the rest of the year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What so. it, and like looking back at it or, or maybe like after that, like what are some lessons that you learned from that? Or like what are some like arrangement you wait, made with yourself kind of thing afterwards? Like what was the conversation going on in your head? It's uh, like as as an athlete, you know, it's, it's very hard to... Uh, really assess your own body in a proper manner mm-hmm. because your, your, your brain is so geared towards push through it, push through it, push through it. You're tough. Yeah. You're tough. And it's almost, that's the culture of the being an athlete. And I don't know why it was just, it's really hard. But what I ended up doing is just paying a lot more attention to my body and saying, okay, you know, like it was really, I know you wanted to go to New York, Derek, but you, you ruined the, <laughs> you, yeah. you know, and so I've really been able to listen a lot more. I don't know everything about everything. And I, again, I think it was coming from the hockey and all that other stuff that I felt like, oh, I've got this, I can do this. And I think a lot of athletes have that though. That's the competitive nature of an athlete mm-hmm. is they, they push their bodies to such extremes all the time that it's redlining all the time. And they're not necessarily listening to their therapists. They're not necessarily listening to their coach or they won't even, some of them don't even say, oh, you know, I hurt myself because they don't want to have that possibility of not being able to play in the next game. Right. So, I mean, 
we do these things and if that's a lesson to other people then absolutely i mean listen to your body and keep open communication and understand that you're not yeah. invincible it's it's a yeah. shame that it's such a hard lesson like it's a whole season gone and yeah. stuff like that but like i'm sure that you would agree like a lot of athletes have gone through a similar story like i've heard this story and different varieties Absolutely. more often and it, in the end like it does give you that sense of I need to take care of myself for the rest of your life like, it's a lesson that you'll probably have for the rest of your life knowing yeah if I'm under the weather if I'm not feeling up to this I should maybe listen yeah and take a step back or something like that and it's that's the hardest thing for athletes and I don't I don't know how you would teach that to somebody but it's it's experience other people saying the same thing continuously then maybe you know some athletes will say okay i've heard this story a million times just like you said yeah and i think this is happening to me right now well i, I think one of the things is just hearing it a, a, like a bunch of times hearing from people who say you you might have to just trust me when i say that i know you're in your early 20s and i know you feel invincible but you're not yeah and you are in the end going to get only better if you listen to yourself. And I guess that's a really hard uh, lesson for people to learn because if you've never really been injured, like why yeah. would you fear getting injured? Yeah. Right. Or if it's your first injury, you have no idea how to deal with that. So I think what is hard, what is, what is important and, but also very difficult for athletes is the moment you get that injury, you need to listen to people who have been through this and, hopefully listening to things like this will really help athletes deal with that and, and, and learn from these mistakes without costing them more than just that one injury. Yeah. Cause you know, you probably could have come back. Oh my goodness. Healthier. Yeah. The whole year. And that was an Olympic year too. So that was, oh. it, it seemed to be a trend <laughs> with me actually. 2004, 2008 and 2012, every Olympic year I was out for the season. Do you, do you think that that had a reason? Was there something in your mind that was different in Olympic years? Or is that, is that just pure coincidence? Um, I think uh, 2004 was just naive. I, I, again, that was just a stupid mistake that mm. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize. 2008, actually, is when I came back to Canada. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, was, I was moved to Toronto. So I went to University of Windsor after I graduated from Purdue. Yeah, because uh, they have a really good training program, track and field program. They're the best in Canada for that, and mm -hmm. um, the facilities, everything are top notch there. So that's like the best place in Canada to be, uh, in my opinion, for for track and field, especially at the university level. Um, two thousand, so that two thousand seven year, um, I did really well in uh, coming back to Canada, and a lot of that is attributed to the people around me. So all of a sudden, I went from being a small fish in a big pond to a gigantic fish in a small pond. Yeah. And it was a very different life. Nobody was buying me books. Nobody was giving me per diem. Nobody was flying yeah. me out anywhere. You had to get on your own way. It was just a whole different... It was like yeah. black and white. It's like, welcome back to Canada. We really don't care as much about you jumping over a bar. And so it was a huge transition. But I ended up excelling because the people around me uh, taught me that I'm, I'm actually more than just an athlete. And this is when I started doing uh, speaking, public speaking to mm -hmm. kids um, because 
I went from such greatness and then all of a sudden there was a lot of people that were looking at me like, oh my gosh, he just broke this record, he broke this record, he broke this record. Oh, look. And all of a sudden I realized I was, I was a person that was able to influence other people. As opposed to when I was at Purdue, I kind of felt like I was just like one of the group, but I was reaching to try and get yeah. to them. Here, everyone was reaching to try and get to me. Uh, so it was a huge difference. And yeah. I ended up excelling more being able to be on top and help people than being on the bottom and trying to climb up. And uh, so anyways, as I was saying, I moved to Toronto uh, and you leading up to the Olympics, um, you have so much expectations. You're on Team Canada, so they're, they're doing everything they can to make you the best you can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of training changes and diet changes and all of that other stuff. But you, during the Olympic year, and I think this is fairly common in athletics uh, across the board, is people push themselves too much. Mm-hmm. You push your body. So you're already pushing your body to 100. Yeah. But during an Olympic year, it's like, I have to, I have to go harder. I have to go stronger. I have to do yeah. better. And you go over And that you 100%. go over that. And that's, again, that was like every four years. It was amazing. I would go to everything else. And then as soon as the Olympics, I wouldn't even be able to compete at nationals because I'd be injured. It was wow. just an incredible trend. It just happened yeah. every four years, 2004, 2008, 2012. And that was it. And you only have those times. So yeah, yeah. Pushing yourself too hard during those big years is also another thing I would, would really look back on and say, you know what? Like you got here, you're doing good. You don't have to do that extra rep if your hamstrings tired yeah. or, you know what I mean? Like. Take care of yourself. And do you think that that is something about like not uh, trusting the process or something? Like if, if you've done the hundred percent and it's got it's gotten you to Team Canada and it's gotten you to the heights that you're jumping, like what what made you sort of like think like is it just the expectation or or why do you try and push harder? Not just trust like hey, I'm actually doing the right thing. Like I should just keep I th- doing it. It's just trying to get more out of yourself and. You have been getting 100%, but I, th- I think it's the allure of the Olympics that, mm. that make you try and go 110%. And that's, a lot of people learn their limitations during Olympic years, and it's incredible. Like, you know, you'll be uh, first in the nation or first in the world, and then all of a sudden you won't be able to compete at the Olympics, but then, you know, you'll come back. And, and that's yeah. actually what happened in, in my case. In uh, 2008, I... I couldn't compete because I ended up hurting myself, mm-hmm. uh, hurting my ankle, and then 2009 ended up being the best season of my life. So yeah, uh, well, so a little bit. I think that's a really interesting dynamic, right? Like obviously, 2008 not going to the Olympics probably a big disappointment, right? So after that season, I assume there was a moment, a debrief, season debrief at some point or something like that, and you sat down. And what did you tell yourself? Like what? What were the lessons you drew from that season saying, this is what I'm going to do different next year to prevent that from happening again? A lot of it is actual uh, therapy. So through, even when I was at Purdue, uh, after I got my injury, Mm -hmm. they had uh, sports counselors uh, that would help you uh, if if you're not doing well or you're losing confidence or what have you. And that's one of the great things in the States that... They have so much mental health uh, yeah. for their athletes and I'm sure for their regular student body as well. But yeah. uh, after that injury, when I came back, I was scared to jump. 
And so I had to go see a therapist because I was just scared. I couldn't, mm. I couldn't put my foot down. I was like, okay, last time I did this, I, I destroyed it and yeah. then I tried it again and it hurts even more. So I don't, I can't do this anymore. And so going to a therapist, a sports therapist is, is incredible. Um, and that we have sports therapy for team Canada. Yeah. And so we would have to go every, basically every week you have to have a session and say, okay, how's your training? How's your body yeah. feeling and all that stuff. And that's actually what really transitioned me from not being able to compete again from 2004 and then not being able to compete in 2008. Uh, I maintained the therapy throughout because I saw how important it was. Mm. It just track and field and any athletics is so mentally absorbent that you need to sometimes let your thoughts out and talk to somebody who knows and understands the drive of an athlete. Yeah. And it's, yeah, so those, so I basically went through therapy uh, after 2008, uh, again, to, to try and collect my thoughts and say, okay, this was the world to me. This is all that mattered at the time. And now I'm going back to Windsor. What am I actually doing with my life? And yeah. they're like, you're, you're alive. You're well. Yeah. You're a great athlete. You contribute a lot. Look at all the positives. And you're not, you're not, uh, you know, you don't have something terrible that you can't do this again. Mm -hmm. Let's just find a way of getting you back out there. Yeah. And I think this is a very important lesson for young athletes, which is being at the best of anything is a mental strain on on your brain. Like it is hard to try and push yourself every single day, every single week and, and get the best out of yourself. And I think unfortunately sometimes people feel like finding someone to talk to and finding someone that can help you sort of, you know, talk about the mistakes you've made and say, hey, what should I do different? And just be a a, a sounding board that just gets quite like asks you questions and, and helps you reflect but that is something for people who are sick or for people where there's something wrong yeah but you know like this is what i i do in my, in my daily life and i just see people that in the end just say i just need somebody to talk to i don't even need that much from you yeah i don't need you to contribute that much i just need somebody to sit down and be able to understand what I'm saying and, and put it back to me and figure out whether it makes sense what I'm saying and whether I'm doing the right thing. And that's the thing when I, you know, this show is a lot about like, what, what do you change after you make mistakes, right? And some people are really good at that, at reflecting and figuring out, okay, what am I going to do next? What do I need to change? But it's equally normal to find that's really hard. Yeah. To really struggle doing that, taking this step back and finding someone to talk to and figuring out, like help, letting that person help you figure these kind of things out is not a weakness. It's not wrong. You're not sick. Yeah. It's just being smart. It's, it's being smart. And, and, you know, like you said, after that season, I went on and I did the, I talked to the, the, the sports counselor, I talked to the mental performance consultant and then. 2009 the season after was my best season ever so yeah. i think there's a lesson for everyone at home like if you think that it's hard to reflect on your mistakes to to find the perspective you know i'm i'm healthy i'm here yeah yeah uh, <laughs> i'm still alive <laughs> I'm, I'm contributing a lot go find somebody to talk to there's a bunch of mental performance consultants out there that are really good at doing that and helping people figure out these things before 
you know, their career is over or before hopefully they, they make a great mistake and injure themselves really badly or something. So everyone out there, if this is a story that really um, yeah. resonates with you, please uh, reach out to two mental performance consultants. They are, I'm sure it's Derek will uh, agree. They're awesome at what they do. Absolutely. Yeah. To go from, to go from not even being able to compete at the, the national championships to winning the nationals the next year, I attribute to like a hundred percent of, of counseling because my physical ability was there just mentally it, it was, yeah. it was shattered. And then, you know, that that's just, just the way it went. And that year was also uh, a huge success in finding out who I was again, it, again, through counseling and teaching, I think teaching what you've learned. So I've, I'd gone through so much already <laughs> as an athlete that me talking to kids and, uh, you know, high schools and elementary schools and just listening to their stories was really cool as well. So, yeah, yeah, that, that, and that's really cool. So then you have 2009 and, and you become national champion at high jump. What was the height? Uh, I was 218 was the winner. So that's like a seven, seven, one and a bit, seven, two. Okay, yeah. so you can jump over a decent sized NBA player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not Yao Ming yet, but <laughs> that's the next step. Yeah. So just for people that for, to give them a, a reference, just put a uh, Kawhi Leonard or, or someone like yeah. that and Derek just jumps over them. <laughs> just give you a good good yeah. example of what that would look like. Um, so what 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 happens after that? Um one, oh, this is actually also interesting because it's funny. I, I look at my career and I know every professional athlete is going through the same. They go through the same ebbs and flows and everything. Uh, right now, I'm talking to uh, Justin Duff, who is a professional volleyball player uh, for Team Canada. He was at the Olympics and he's going to be on this podcast as well. So Yeah, I'm uh, really excited, yeah. especially because my sport is also volleyball. Yeah, so exactly. I'm sorry if we're going to be nerding out during that episode <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, so I, I saw him, uh, there was a world, uh, I think there was like a world, world games here in Ottawa, and I, I saw him uh, in Ottawa, and he lives in Ottawa actually, and it, it's, uh, he's retiring this year, and he came up to me and uh, he said, hey, you know, uh, let's get a drink or something, and I said, hey, I know you're retiring, um, I'd like to talk to you about the next steps, because I know it's going to be very difficult, mm. and me just reaching out to him, saying... You know, I was a professional athlete and I understand that you're about to go through a transition that's going to be very difficult. Yeah. He said, oh, that's really nice. And then basically after that competition and he had officially retired, he reached out to me and said, I really need to talk. So, you know, me and him, we were, we're not best friends. We're, we are athletes and we both know each other and we've talked to each other a few times. But this is on this is what every athlete is going to go through, the transition of being on top to, OK, who am I? What am I without this sport? What do I do now that I can't do this sport? And that is like, that is an earth shattering realization that everything you've done up to this point, mm -hmm. all of a sudden that's all taken away from you. And what do you have on your resume? <laughs> go, go get yeah. a job. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's a huge transition. And that's one of the things I really want to talk to a lot of athletes about professional athletes, not professional. It's your identity. And you have to be more than the sport because at the end of the day, when the sport's taken away from you competitively, uh, you can't identify so much with it that you're no longer a person. And that's also yeah. what happened to me. I, I went through, 
I mean, after I retired, I was living in my parents' basement at 30, uh, depressed. I, I, I didn't have a job. I didn't have a resume. I didn't have any experience. And that's why a lot of uh, athletes will go into coaching. And I actually did coach for the University of Ottawa, but that was just volunteer. So mm-hmm. had to get a job. And that's luckily I had a passion outside of athletics. And that's what I really want people to know is when you're doing sport and you're, you're so into it, you still need another passion. And my passion was computers. Yeah. And I used to love building computers and doing web design and all this stuff. So actually, when I graduated, I had a couple of degrees. But um, my experience in computers was what got me to where I am now. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of experience with my passion on computers. And it was outside of track. But a lot of these people... I know my uh, one of my best friends, Mark Dillon, who is also a really good high jumper, he didn't have a passion outside of high jump, and he's still trying to find his way yeah. uh, because he doesn't know what he loves or he doesn't know what he is without track and field. And I, I think it's really important maybe for coaches out there as well to sit down with your athletes and say, what, do you, uh, what did you do today or what do you love? Yeah. And say, no, no, not, not the sport, not about tomorrow's competition. What is it that you're doing today that's going to help you out in 10 years from now? Yeah, I think it's very important. So what are you, so again, you know, it's a similar question. So what you, you move back to your parents and you say like, I'm just sitting there in the basement. That's obviously, oh, I think looking back at it, you would agree that that's probably not the best plan of action. <laughs> oh For, my God. People can't see it, but Derek is shaking his head <laughs> a lot. And he's like, Oh God, no. It was so, so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. So, that, that's obviously not the best way to do it. So what, what again, like what, what's the moment where you realize this and you decide, I, I need to change my behavior. And how do you, how do you go about that? It's so hard because you're just, you're, your focus is so uh, on these one single tasks that are so short term. Uh, you can't look at yourself at 30 years old. You can't look at yourself at 35 years old. What, uh, I can't even think of that. And uh, like I said, Justin is, uh, I talked to him a little bit and he's going through the same thing. You know, he's like, I don't know what I want to do. Mm. It's like, all I know is I, I'm, I can't play volleyball anymore and, and I don't know what I want to do. Now, luckily I had, uh, and some things just fall into place for some people. And I was able to get a, a very good job right out of this because I, my sister knew someone who knew someone who, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah. I got a, I got a really good job at IBM, which I still work at. Um, and that was also because of my passion of computers. So I had some computer background and I love doing that. Now, the people who don't necessarily have that ability to say what they love, uh, I suggest really, we, you've got to find that because at the end of the day, sure, you'll have all these cool awards but that's not necessarily going to put food on the table unless you're a coach and coaching in Canada is you don't get a mm. lot of money. Um, so that, if that's your passion, then follow it, but you have to have a game plan. And that's the, yeah. if there's no game plan while you're in the sport, there's definitely not one at the end of the sport and you're going to be in your parents' basement at the age of 31. <laughs> like yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like me. So, and, and you know, <laughs> we're sitting here and luckily for you, it worked out, but like it, just as well, like if the the person who knew the person who knew the person wouldn't have offered right. you the job, you you might have still been there. Yeah. Right. So, and I think that's an important, you know, again, like if we're talking about the things that it's it's great 
to look back and like, hey, I'm a, like, that's awesome. I'm a national champion and that's good. But we need to keep in mind that, like you said, there needs to be a long-term plan and you take all these lessons you, you learned in sport into your job and you need to you need to figure out what you like to do. And if it's sport, there's plenty of jobs and there's plenty of opportunities in sport. It can be coaching, it can be, you know, a bunch of other things. Um, but you need to you need to have the the plan for after. Yeah. And I think that's a I think it's really cool that you're helping other athletes um, through that process right now because it's very tricky because you're you're starting at ground zero again. Like there's nothing. You're not only starting at ground zero. The friends around you. All of my friends had owned houses. They all had wives, and I was just starting my life. Yeah. They had already had ten years of a career. They bought cars. They had all these things that normal people do. Uh, except I had experience of being able to fly around the world and compete for Canada yeah. for 10 years, which is amazing. But I had to ask my parents for money to get a coffee. So that, that was the thing. Yeah. And I don't regret any of it. And I do think that I could have been better prepared. And I want, I want athletes to realize that athletics is not for life. Unless, you know, unless you can be a professional hockey player or the best golfer. Or but even then, like, it's not for life. Just because it makes well, you a lot of money right, doesn't mean exactly. it's... Still, I mean, like, yes, obviously, it's a bit easier. You won't have to ask your mom for a cup of coffee <laughs> for if, you, if, you, if you play in the NHL for, for 15 years. But still, I think it's, we, we shouldn't take away from that. that like, if you then stop playing hockey... You still have to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Your identity. You can't just sit yeah. there in your million dollar home and <laughs> what do nothing. Yeah. So like, obviously, the, the not having the financial needs, uh, the financial means makes it harder. You're right. Yeah. But it's still a transition that you need to you need to figure out. It's an identity do. thing, and exactly. it's like, who am I outside of this, and how do I identify with myself outside of? Yeah track or whatever and it, I th- again I think it's really cool that you know the show is about how do you change your behavior because of your mistakes and it's really cool to see like often the, the examples like gone through them like oh looking back at it or because of that I saw this 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 uh, somebody to help me or whatever but this time you you made the mistake of not preparing yourself properly for your transition and the behavior you changed uh, because of it is now reaching out to athletes that are about to retire yeah. and reaching out and saying, hey, I'm there. Because you knew that you would have liked somebody there. And I think that's a really cool thing. That, like the behavior change doesn't always have to be like an individual thing. Like I am now doing things differently. It can also be, I don't want anyone else to go through that. And I think that's that's really cool. And it shows again, like the successes you have in, in any career are great. But in the end, it is the things that, the mistakes, the things that didn't go the way you want that are really stuck in your mind and, and really push that behavior change for somebody like you to now actively reach out to people and say like, hey, I know you're going to retire soon. Like, I'm there for you if you need to talk yeah. and, and helping people like like that. So that shows again what the power of mistakes is, if you, if you can call it that way. Yeah, that's, again, I, a lot of these things I'm not even realizing uh, until, again, you're, you're talking to me about them, and I'm like, oh, I guess that did happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that did that's, happen. Yeah, so yeah. I want to talk a little bit. So Derek sent me a, a spreadsheet 
of, uh, of his results uh, throughout this year. So I could see a little bit the progression and stuff like that. And then there was, uh, I don't know, it was probably 20 or 30 lines of awards that were all... Oh. Yeah. So I want to ask you, like, which one are you the most proud of and why? It goes back to, like, you don't realize at the time what's mm-hmm. happening. So I think the biggest award that I won was actually, uh, it was like a Windsor, uh, Winds- like the Windsor City uh, Male Athlete of the Year. It was a Westby. I'm, yeah. I forget what it was, but I had moved to Toronto at the time because I, I was training for the Olympics and my coach called me up and he said, congratulations, you won this award. And I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. What is that? And he's, he's like, you know, you won the, the best athlete of, of, of the Windsor, like the city mm-hmm. of Windsor for the year. And I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. And I didn't realize it at the time, but uh, that was actually a pretty big thing. And I didn't acknowledge it because I, mm. I was again so okay. That's real cool. I gotta go jump. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Oh, that's so real cool. focused on the the process. Yeah, accept your be again I, the athletes, and maybe this is like I'm harping on it a little much, but like be uh, aware that other people are acknowledging you uh, in a way that you're doing good. You're you've done really good things and. Take a second to appreciate that. I mean, I've won, I've won a lot of awards, but I've never really appreciated it, it, it until you've you've asked me to, to go <laughs> <laughs> until you've asked me to go look at back on these things. And I again, it's just being in the moment. And those awards are meant to say, enjoy this, mm. enjoy what you've done to get to this point, and everybody's acknowledging it, and really enjoy it. Um, I think that one was a, a big award, but me graduating from university is the biggest award I've ever had because my grades were so bad in high school mm. uh, and athletics was able to really drive me in a way for academics, for life, for everything. Um, so I think me graduating from Purdue University is, it's not necessarily an award, but it's an award to me because that's, yeah. that's like a... I didn't, my parents didn't even think I was going to finish high school. So, <laughs> so me graduating from a big school like that is like, wow, okay. Athletics gave me the venue and I really, I really took it and I was able to finish it and get a degree. And now it's, and it's up on my wall of my wall of awards. So wall of awards. yeah. So yeah. In, the, in the hallway here, there's a, there's like by like display cabinets with team Canada outfits yeah. and pictures and that's really cool. I'll, I'll take a, few pictures and uh, put them on my Instagram. Um, so I think again, you know, that's what's really cool about that is, is the fact that it's that graduating is meaningful to you because people thought that you weren't going to you know, even graduate high school. Yeah. So the athletics gave you the chance to change that, to, to write that mistake that maybe like you didn't try as hard in high school as you yeah. should have or could have or whatever. And, I, again, I think it's really powerful to see that what you're most proud of is your ability to uh, sort of come back from that mistake and say, yes, that wasn't great, but look what I've done with it. I got the chance and I took it. Yeah. I think that's, that's really cool. So I, we've been talking uh, about 
you know, your career for a bit. And I think it's, there's some really cool things. And again, um, it's really cool to hear like what, what went wrong yeah, and, it's, and how you feel about that and like how you change your, so now you, you said, and you're, you're still doing, you're, you're, you're coaching a bit, you're giving advice to young athletes and you're giving seminars and stuff. Like what's the biggest thing that you tell these kids? Um, the, the biggest thing is to enjoy what you're doing and the people around you. I mean, I've met so many people in this, this athletics. I mean, you go to world championships and there's 3000 athletes there and you're, you're in amongst all of them and you're, you're doing all these great things. Even if you don't go to world championships, you're going to uh, the local meet, enjoy, enjoy the moment and don't, don't ever think that you're bigger than the sport or you're, or you're owed something or just look around you and say, this is really cool. Uh, I'm having fun. And I've met all my friends through athletics. Even you, I've met through athletics. I picked up volleyball because it seemed like the next transition to play after high jump. I mean, I can jump high. (laughs) So (laughs) it was a useful thing involved. Yeah. So I was like, well, I've got one of the parts down. So (laughs) why don't I try this? Uh, and that's what I've been doing, uh, since, since I came back is, is playing a sport I never played before, but enjoying it on a competitive level, but not nearly as competitive, obviously. Mm. But I've realized that now I can enjoy the people around me, enjoy, you know, what I'm doing and really having fun with it. And so sports is going to be very different for every person. Some people are going to be amazing at it. Some people are going to be terrible, but they're going to love it. Uh, and it's whatever you take out of it, but just make sure that a, you have a plan outside of the sport. That's, that's the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can't really hear it at the time. I remember my coach asked me one time, he said, so what's your plan after this? And I said, I'm trying to make the Pan Am games. What what are you talking about? (laughs) And he says, okay, after Pan Ams. Yeah. And I said, well, I don't know. That's too far away. I can't think of that. And he's yeah. like, you need to start thinking of, because it's coming to the end of my career. And he's like, so what if you make Pan Ams? What does that mean? And I was like, well, that's, that's really cool, isn't it? And he's like, but I mean, for you and moving on, you're not, you know, not going to make a career on that. What is it that you love? So, I mean, I did have one coach that gave me that at the end of my career, which, I mean, again, I was resistant to look at mm-hmm. it because you can't see, but just make sure that you... Have a plan and enjoy what you're doing uh, and be in the present because once it's gone, it's fun to look back at it. But if you didn't really enjoy it at the time, then you kind of missed out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Like, that's a great message. I think yeah. taking away from, from something from your career is like be in the moment. Enjoy yeah. it, enjoy it while, while you can and have fun and you know, yeah. make, make the best of it. So, uh, so one last question before we're going to, to wrap it up. So there's been a sort of line throughout this, throughout this story, which is I click with some people and I don't click with other people, mm-hmm. right? We talked about coaches and stuff like that. Do you feel like those experiences working with those different coaches have made you better to, you know, sometimes you have to work with people that you don't click with. Like what are some lessons that you've learned from the mistakes you made with those coaches that you're using, for instance, in your job or, or in volleyball or something like that? It's, uh, that's actually a really cool, um, relatable story, uh, for, so all of those experiences that I had with multiple coaches and you click with some and you don't click with others, uh, when you get into a career and a workforce, 
You're going to have bosses that you don't <laughs> click with. You're going to have coworkers that you don't click with. You're going to have, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's going to be like that for the rest of your life. And early on in my career, I kind of really, I kind of uh, put up a wall mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't acknowledge that, okay, well, I'm going to have to work with you. I worked against them. And I was, again, I was young and, but you have to understand that as you go forward in life, there's not always going to be people that you click with. And again, there's, I have, you know, bosses and managers and some of them I don't work well with, but you have to make it work and you have to learn that there's different types of people and different types of, uh, you know, ways of going about things. So I think learning that you don't always have to be best friends with everybody, but also understanding that everyone else has to work with each other, not against each other. If you, as soon as you start working against somebody or you, you just block them off, you're no longer progressing as a person. And so you have to, you basically have to learn how, how this guy might not, you know, maybe he doesn't speak to me on this level, but he definitely has experience and he mm-hmm. definitely understands things. And so especially moving into the workforce, it's going to be tons of people that maybe you don't work well with. Yeah. Uh, and I think athletics has taught me that even if I'm not working well with you, I have to learn how to work with you versus against you. So that's a big, that's yeah. a huge thing. I, I think that's a very good point. You know, that is, is, is a great lesson that you learn throughout your career. Work, you need to work with people that you don't like yeah. once in a while and you need to make it work. Um, Derek, thank you very much for this conversation. We had a blast. And I think what is a good takeaway for people listening at home is, uh, you know, mistakes are not always fun, but make sure that you are able to reflect on it and, and learn from them. And you don't always have to learn from your own mistakes, right? If you're listening to this and, and you recognize some parts of this, some parts of what Derek is saying in yourself, I'm sure that, you know, Derek agrees, like really take this, try and take it to, to heart as much as can, as you can try and avoid a few of these things that they went through, like, listen to your body, be in the moment, have fun, enjoy it, and, and have a plan for after. Have a secondary plan, have a plan B whenever you're doing anything with, with your full effort. We'll make sure that you don't get into the situations that really uh, end up um, really feeling terrible. Yeah. And it's always, you know, and, I'm, and we see that now, like, it's easy to look back on these like look back on the living in the basement and now think it's funny but at the time it was probably very very hard and right now now he's in a place where you know he he likes what he does and and he's very happy with where he is in life right now but going through those hard moments is really difficult so please if you're listening and you recognize parts of of you in the story Derek just told um Listen to him. If you want to ask any questions, if you are interested, uh, if you want to get into contact uh, with either me or Derek, you can send me a um, uh, a message on Instagram or on Facebook. You can find me as JWK Mental Performance Training. Uh, I'll make sure that uh, if you have a question for Derek and you send it to me, that I'll pass it on along, and I'm sure that he will be more than happy to help people out with their uh, their situations. Absolutely, yeah. Derek, this has been any- excellent. Any last things you want to share? Uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm really happy that you uh, actually asked me to do this. So thank you so much. I'm really excited to uh, listen to it. And I really hope that this does help some, some athletes out there. And 
again, like I said, uh, Justin's going to be coming on this podcast yeah. and hopefully maybe, you know, he'll, he'll be had talked to me already and maybe he'll, uh, even learn a little bit about me and this podcast and everything that moves forward. So if I can just help one person, then that's more than anything. So thank you so much for hosting this. This was excellent and yeah, good luck on everything else. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the Imperfect Athlete Podcast and I hope to uh, see everyone again in the next episode.